Hello, 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 everyone. Happy Friday. Welcome to a special early Friday stream. And this is a part of my new Disenrage series. The Disenrage series is going to be a series of conversations about the human experience and different aspects of life and different perspectives in the world. And I'm interviewing lots of really interesting people. And I've got a really, you know, a guest that you might all be familiar with on the channel today that I am very excited to interrogate him because for as long as we have worked together, I don't actually think I've asked him that much about some of the, like his psychic abilities and all that stuff. So I'm actually really excited about this. But before we jump into our guest today, I've got some shilling to do. Now, as you guys know, this is Friday, which means we will be heading over to my second channel, youtube.com slash actively unwoke to have happy hour at 5 p.m. Just like normal. I've got a great presentation we're going to watch today. It's a twofer. We're going to get both gender equity and climate change in the same presentation. Now, today, I thought I'd be a little bit more high class. I will not be drinking beer today. I will be drinking sake today. And I've got some nice sakes that I think we're going to talk about. But definitely join me if you're not subscribed to my second channel, youtube.com slash actively unwoke. The link is in the description somewhere. But I've also got a lot of interesting disenraged conversations coming up next week. I just want to preview for you guys. On Monday, we are going to be talking to Spectre. Spectre is my socialist friend from Twitch. I've been on his Twitch channel a couple times. And uh, we're going to talk about how socialist view of the world. Spectre is actually an eminently reasonable person. He's not a woke SJW. He just has different beliefs. And so he's going to come on the channel on Monday at 5 p.m. And we're going to talk about that. On Wednesday, we have the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, the the one and only core videographer for the Libertarian Party, Dan Smots. And we're actually going to be talking about libertarians. We're not going to be talking about video. We're not going to be talking about the amazing ads he's produced for Jeremy Kaufman. We're going to be tackling the big questions like, did Hitler go to hell? And other questions related to spirituality. I'm sure I will definitely not get canceled as a result of this interview at all. It's all going to be fine and great. And I'm really looking forward to that. And then on Thursday, Jennifer is going to join me. And Jennifer is going to talk about her experience being raised in a conservative Christian cult and how she escaped that cult and what she's up to today and, and how her, maybe her views have changed. I'm really looking forward to this conversation as well. Guys, just so you know, you can actually right now subscribe to the Disenraged series on Apple Podcasts. If you don't want to come on the channel, that's totally cool. You can subscribe to that. I've just started loading them on. I don't have the one we did the other day from uh, about the Church of Satan yet, but they will all be getting loaded on. So I want to encourage everyone to subscribe in Apple Podcasts if you would like to take advantage of that. All right. Well, my guest today kind of needs no introduction because you all know him from our weekly show that we do on Tuesdays. Nothing remotely controversial, but he is in real life a professional psychic. You can contact him at psychicsun.com and all of his information is in the description below. And I want to talk to him about what it is like to be a psychic and how he developed his gifts. Joshua, welcome to the channel. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so, so I, this is so weird for me. I've never actually interviewed you about this stuff. I feel like this is like a whole new level of like our working relationship, Joshua. I know. I was, I was saying this is the first time I think I'm hopping on a call with you without my like tarot cards ready. Mm -hmm. So, because it's usually what I do, right? I usually use my cards with you. So. Yes. Yes. Well, I want, we only have an hour with you today, so I want to just jump right into it. Um, mm -hmm. When did you know you were a psychic? When did I know I was a psychic? Well, I got a reading at uh, the tea room in Boston and I really was so flabbergasted by the reading. And I really was always interested in astrology even before I got my reading. So I wanted to learn astrology and they said, well, you should learn the cards. And I'm like, I, you know, I had 12 years of Catholic school training, right? So mm -hmm. I was really trepidatious about learning tarot. And then I found out that numerology and astrology was involved in tarot. So I was like, okay, well, I'll learn more astrology. Uh, and then I learned everything, um, psychic development, a uh, lot of training in terms of that, and um, everything. Like I learned everything on the menu so I could do palm reading, tea leaf reading, face reading, psychometry, um, you know, anything really. So with that, um, I started developing my psychic gifts by just going through these, these training classes. We did these things called bullets in which you would um, 
put different symbols on this piece of paper and then you'd hold it and you'd, you'd try to get the symbol. And really, I just, I started doing readings and I started hearing things and because I'm clairaudient, so I, I hear things and I just relayed them. Um, and then I combined that with my empathy and I was told, you know, you hear something, just like say it. And I did. And then people would come back and be like, oh my God, this happened or you were so right. So I, I just, I ran with it. You know, it was a really weird, like organic thing. So you have, so you're both empathic and clairaudient. Can you explain to people like what those mean specifically? Yeah, I would say I'm an empathic clairaudient. I also can like sometimes see things, of course, um, clairvoyant, um, but clair empathic clairaudient means I have the ability to detect the under the emotional undercurrent of situations. So for instance, when somebody says, oh, tell me about my friend Charles, like I'll get off the vibration of Charles's name, the emotionality around him, you know, how he's feeling, where he's going, what his health is like, et cetera. And then I relay that. And I also, of course, can do that with my clients, right? So I feel where they are emotionally and that can help determine where they're going um, in, in terms of their life, like what they're creating. And uh, clairaudient is I hear things from spirit, like, and if spirit, if I don't hear them, like spirit will actually put them in my mouth. So I, I will actually say it before I actually recognize it or hear it. Um, so yeah, I'll hear things and I'll just relay them to the querent. Mm -hmm. I remember like when my Claire audience like turned on and I'm not like, mm -hmm. I don't like, I don't hear it like all the time, but like every once in a while, but I remember very distinctly when it turned on, it really freaked me out. It was like, it was like a radio had tuned in my head and I could hear this weird voice that even sounded like it's not coming from me. What the hell? What is that experience like? Um, The Claire audience experience? Yeah. What is that like for you when, when you hear voices or, or like, I guess when, when it first started happening for you? Um, I just sort of went with it. Like I, it didn't, it didn't really bother me. It was just very, very natural. And I think that when you go into a reading, you're in a different vibration. So it wasn't like I was hanging out with my friends. I'd be like, Oh, I get something around. Like I would never do that. Um, yeah. But when you're in a reading and you're prepaving, and what I mean by that is like, before I go into a reading, I have that intention of like, okay, how can I serve this person? How can I help this person? And I think that when you ask spirit or the universe or God for help to help somebody else, it just does the work for you. Like it really, it's almost like being wound up and allowing yourself to go. So it, it for, for me, when I do my, my readings, it's, it's, it's just a natural law of least resistance thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when did you decide to become a professional psychic? I mean, it really happened so naturally. Like I took all of these classes, I learned everything, and I started hanging out with psychics. And um, I just did my first reading on Halloween, and I think it was like 1996. So that was my first reading. It was like for a charity event. And um it was just, you know, there was good money in it. I, it was close to where I went to school. I went to Emerson and, uh, you know, it was a really cool job to have throughout college. So it just was very, very practical. Like I was friends with everybody I worked with. Uh, they were really cool people. And also just being around those people, you get much more psychic just because you're competitive and you're, you know, you want more tips, you want requests, you want to, you know, have the book filled up with, you know, bookings and all of that. So that sort of pushed me into it. So it's very, very easy um, decision. Hmm. What does your family think about the fact that you're a psychic? Um, well, my dad always made jokes about like, oh, you're a psycho. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, what's funny is I think my dad is actually extremely intuitive himself. Like, I think he was very, very psychic. And I think that he didn't necessarily look at it as being psychic. I think he just looked at it as being, you know, worldwide, which he was. Um, so I think it's sort of ironic. I think my dad was very, very, very psychic. And um, I think that he thought it was cool. Um, I don't think that he, he really didn't believe that I was able to do what 
I do. But I think that, you know, at the end of the day, he was happy that I was, you know, working and uh, making an honest living and doing doing my thing. Um, so I think that he thought he got a kick out of it. I think my mom, I mean, what, what is it they say, you know, um, a prophet has no power in their hometown or hmm. um, something along those lines. Because where you're coming from, like you're aligned with these people, so they don't really perceive you to be any different. You know, it's all, all psychology is projection. So because, you know, my, my parents might not have fathomed being able to do it, um, I don't think they understood how I could. Um, because I come from them. Right. But I think that, um, my mom is pretty keen on it. Like she thinks it's very, you know, interesting. And, um, you know, she, 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 she does ask questions. So she's more inquisitive. She's like, well, you know, what if you say the wrong thing or, um, so she's very curious, but I think that they both might, well, my mom now, because my dad passed, um, I think they, I think my dad thought it was cool. And I think my mom does too now. Hmm. So I remember one time we were having a conversation and I don't even remember when this was or how it even came up. But I remember you looked at me and it was like almost the saddest look in your eye. And you said, Carlin, no one grows up and wants to be a psychic. And I don't remember the context of it, but like I just remember like you had a very sad look in your eye when you said it. And I just I kind of wondered, like, you know, this is something that you do professionally in the world. And, you know, that's not necessarily a career path that everyone aspires to. Um, like, I, like, what is that like to have kind of like a, a really oddball kind of like public persona as being like, you, you literally bill yourself as Joshua the psychic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree still that nobody grows up and says, I want to be a psychic. Like that wasn't what I wanted to do. And in fact, you know, I did psychic readings, you know, for several years in Boston. And then I moved to New York city in 2006 with the, um, with the dream of, of, being an ad man, being in advertising. So I, I scored a really good job in New York City when I moved and then the company folded and I had like a New York City rent to pay. So I'm like, how am I going to make money? And the only way I really could was doing psychic readings. So I'm like, well, I, I need to make money and I have to go back to this. And, um, you know, I got some really, really good press. I got um, named the, the, I got the top rating in, in, Time Out New York, um, the highest rated psychic in Time Out New York. And that's when things sort of exploded for me. And my, my phone like blew up and I, you know, I was getting calls from people all around the world, like Japan and London and all this. And I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. well, obviously, you know, this is like hitting me in the face. This is a sign that like, I'm supposed to do this. And it also saved my ass because like the company I was working for folded. So um, I think that pushed me into it. And I realized I was helping people. I was being much more appreciated um, as a psychic astrologer than I was in advertising. You know, it was very doggy dog in advertising. And um, as a psychic, I felt, I feel that all of us really need to, in order to thrive, in order to serve, we have to go forward with what we're best at. Do you know what I mean? And there was just no contest. I knew that I could do readings better than I could do anything. So I decided that um, it just, it makes sense. And it, and it felt as if that was the, the way I could be of service, the best mm -hmm. way I could be of service. You know, I find that life, like when you get off track, like I, I obviously had like very distinct ideas about my career and what I wanted to do. And life had different ideas for me. And I find, and I found this, you know, through the course of just like my entire career, honestly, when I've gotten off track and I think, okay, I'm going to go to, I'm going to be, I'm going to work in higher education for the rest of my life, which was actually a real thing at, at one mm -hmm. point. And that just didn't work out for many different reasons. And I had all these other ideas about things I was going to do. And it's like, it, I think it's funny sometimes how life will just smack you right back onto the path that you're supposed to be on, whether you want to be on it or not, or whether that's your plan or not. It's like, it almost becomes like an unstoppable force where you're just like, all right, I could keep on fighting this, or I could just try to go in this direction and see what happens. Do you think that that's true for a lot of people? Or is that just like weird people like you and I? I think it's true. I think, you know, that expression, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think that what I've always found is that 
as smart as we think that we are, the universe usually knows better and that sometimes we don't get what we want, but we get what we need. And I think that's, you know, that's constant, right? Because you have to assume authority in your life and you have to direct your course, but at the same time, you've got to let spirit and, you know, God and miracles, you got to leave room for that because off, you know, all the time, the universe is going to know better than us, you know, and sometimes we're going to be aligned with what the universe has in store for us, but there's also free will. Like I, I could have said, absolutely not. This is not going to be my vocation. And I could have willed myself into something else. And I'm sure I would have, you know, worked at it um, and done well, but it wouldn't have been as fluid or as natural or as organic and probably would have required a lot more training. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think when we get off track and we're like hell bent on like, I'm going to do this thing, whether the universe likes it or not. It's like, I think we can do those things. I think we can willpower our way into those things. But I also think that those things come a lot harder. It it, it like it, it takes a lot more energy to do them and they might not be as fulfilling or have the outcome that we think they're going to have when we when we get to the end of it. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. And I think also there's, you know, this this individuation process in which when we grow up where we have like a certain set of ideals of like, okay, well, this is who I want to be. And that's not always congruous with who it is that we are. Cause we're, you know, we're, we're developing ourselves. We're getting to know ourselves. We're trying to, you know, distinguish other people's expectations from our own. And really it's that, that sense of authenticity and that naturalness that just makes everything flow. And we become just, you know, more like mother nature and we're just going with, with what feels right as opposed to, you know, what our egos want or what intellectually we think is going to make us happy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, guys, if you're enjoying this conversation with Joshua so far, please make sure you mount that like button for me. We've got a couple super chats that I want to take. Sin says, sorry, I missed the beginning. I wanted to teach. The universe slapped me down several times. One way was with a very bad illness. Love this, Joshua. We love you, Sin. Thank you for that. And then Mimi says, I hate it so much that you're being attacked by so-called conservatives. I don't always agree with all of your viewpoints, but I do love and appreciate how open and honest you are. Sorry, off topic. That's okay, Mimi. Well, it is funny, though, that Mimi brings up conservatives because definitely, I mean, I put you, like, we started our show, like, not long after my Trump rally, like, maybe within a month of my Trump rally article Mm -hmm. going viral. And so it was kind of this weird thing when we first started our show together where, like, I had all these conservatives on my channel, and then I, I had this random psychic on... And I got so much hate mail and like, 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 why are you doing this? You are going to hell and all this stuff. And I was just like, whatever. But I mean, it is kind of funny to me that people look at things like astrology and tarot cards and, you know, you know, psychicking and all these things. And they think that it's evil or they think that it's demonic. And it's like, how do you what, like, what would you say to people like that? Well, I mean, that they have a right to their opinion. <clears throat> and I think that, you know, if you put a label on something, like if I called you evil, like mm-hmm. I would then see what I am perceiving intentionally. Do you know what I'm saying? So it becomes an apparency. So, I mean, if you put a label on something, that's what you're going to get. And, you know, for those people, it is evil. So they should probably avoid it. Um, but I think that when we're, we're talking about helping people, we're talking about love or we're talking about, you know, achieving greatness or whatever, it it all is coming from the same source. So whether, you know, it's Jesus or whether it's Buddha or whether it's Allah or whatever, like, or it's tarot cards or astrology, it's all coming from that one spark of infinite creation. Do you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it's just sort of like, it's like the vibe that works for you to get to the same place. So like you might respond better to Buddha and I might respond better to Jesus just vibrationally. That's what works for us. But at the end of the day, we're both getting to the same place. We're both going into that place of enlightenment and we're both coming from that place of, of, of that spark of infinite creation. So, you know, whatever, whatever works, people want to put, a label of uh, as evil on anything. I don't think that that's very advantageous. Um, so, but obviously like people are entitled to their opinions, whatever they, whatever they do doesn't really matter to me. Cause I can't, you know, I can't control it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, a lot of a lot of what you just said, and a lot of what you know we've talked about over the years has really been just about human nature more than it is about you know magic or divination or any of these things. It's just about understanding why human beings do what they do and how the stories that they tell in their head shape their views of the world and shape their behaviors and all that. And you know, honestly, Joshua, I probably learned more about human psychology from working with you than I ever did in in my in in school or anything like that because. It's it's like it's like what you do is like an applied psychology. It's like in school, you're just reading study after study after study and case studies and all this stuff. But it's not like it's not like it's applicable in the real world. But I feel like the things that we've talked about and how you have helped me to apply these principles is much more about psychology than anything that that I was taught in education. Like what what has been your experience with how psychology aligns with tarot cards and astrology and the things you do as a psychic? Well, I appreciate you saying that. I really see that as very high praise. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also studied psych, not to the extent that you did, but I got a minor in psych. And I've always said, like, if I, I should have put that time, money and energy to studying astrology, I would have learned more psych. Do you know what I mean? So I, I do think that um, psychology I mean, there's certain things that are good, but I, I think a deep dive in like psychology uh, scholastically is really, I, I don't think it's very advantageous. I think that what's good in terms of psychology is learning about our natural defense mechanisms. There's so many, I oh, found God. out. Yes. There's so many defense mechanisms and I think that's healthy, um, and helpful. Um, but yeah, I feel like psychology is, um, it's, it's always been a, a passion of mine. Like I was, I was, brought up on psychology today. Like as soon as I could read, I would be really interested in how the mind works. And I, and I do think that that really plays a a huge part in reality creation because we're talking in terms of, you know, I'll do a psychic reading and whatnot. And what we're doing really is we're clocking where the person is emotionally. And when I'm doing a psychic reading, what I, what I'm essentially doing is intuiting what is in the other person's head that they're not aware of. Like what, I know that they don't know that they know, if that makes any sense, like what's going on in the subconscious level. And that's really why I moved into the coaching too. And I do like both, I do my readings, but I also have clients that I coach because I was really so sick of doing these readings all the time and having to give the same answers. Like, yeah, I don't see the new boyfriend. Sorry, I don't see the new job. And I was like, well, how can I put this together. And that's where the psychology really comes in because it's really all about mindset. And, uh, you know, of course that aligns with law of attraction, if that makes sense. Well, it it does. And Deborah and Deborah is actually a clinical psychologist says good clinical psychologists basically have to use a lot of intuition. And, you know, I found the same thing. Like after I came back from Peru and like my intuition was like burst open in Peru, I became a much better coach. And it was like one of those things where like I couldn't quantify it at first, but I I realized after a while that I was better at picking up on, on, on being empathic, basically picking up on like the emotional undercurrents of the situations. And I was much able to better um, advise my coach coaching clients. And, and some of the things I would know, it would just like come out of nowhere. And I, I would honestly like, it's kind of like when you describe with like, like your clear audience, like it would come out of my mouth, but I wouldn't, it wouldn't be coming from me. And I'd be like, oh, that's actually really interesting. I wouldn't have thought of that. Um, so it is, it is funny how it all lines up now. Now. So you've worked with like probably like thousands and thousands of clients, right? I've had definitely thousands of clients. Yes. What is some of like the, what are some of your, I, I, I imagine that working with lots of people, you have kind of like really interesting insights into human nature in general. What are some of like your top insights um, just into, into human nature? I would say one of them is um, a lot of people, a lot of us, all of us, I think um, oftentimes we're in survival mode. And that creep keeps the loop going in terms of the old stories that are not advantageous. So like we can be in survival mode or we can be in creation mode. And of course, creation mode creates love and money and, you know, wonderful art and, and, you know, really cool experiences. But if we're in survival mode um, and in fight or flight, we're not able to create. So I think that's the big one and really how essentially we we have to 
acclimate ourselves, I think, globally to peace. I don't think a lot of us um, trust peace because we're wait we're in we're in survival mode. We're in fight or flight, and if we want to manifest things, we have to first have that level of peace of mind. And I think a lot of people aren't ready for peace. And it might sound, I think that that's sort of like the big shocking thing. It's like, huh, what? It's like, well, yeah, if you want to manifest a million dollars or you want to manifest the love of your life, well, you got to start with peace first. And I think that from what I've seen, a lot of people don't trust peace. And if you don't trust peace, you're going to create problems in your life because that's going to be your homeostasis. Mm -hmm. so, no, I, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, no, no, that was it. Yeah. Okay. So I was gonna say, like, I, I've seen exactly the same thing. And I actually I wrote about it in my first book where people say, like, I want to get a new job. I want to get a new job. And I say, OK, have you updated your resume? Have you started applying? They're like, nope. And I'm like, OK, but you need to do that if you want to get a new job. And they say, well, I, I would never get the job, so I can't apply for it. And I'm like, well, like, how much do you really want a new job then if you aren't even willing to update your resume and apply? And I think that, you know, so many people do put like these obstacles in their own way just based on purely how they see the world. Oh, yeah. I think we're, all, we're our own worst enemies. I mean, <clears throat> I think it, it, it's as simple to say everybody is ourselves pushed inside out. So it's sort of like if we meet a manager and whatnot um, on the work front and this person, you know, has an issue with us, that's really us having an issue with ourselves or it's an unresolved conflict with a parent. So it's sort of a matter of we have to um, we have to do whatever it is that we can to, you know, find that sense of peace and really create our realities based upon, you know, what could be that, that requires, I think, a certain level of detachment from ourselves. Cause you know, if we're looking at our self constructs and we're moving from our sense of, of our, if we're moving from our, our self image, that could be a problem because I'm not somebody who has the love of my life or I'm not somebody who has uh, millions of dollars. So that's really, really tough. So I think that, what really help, ha helps is to detach from yourself, to even detach from your body and really visualize like, okay, well, what could be in the field, as they say, and then it's a matter of lining up with that. Like, I think the big thing is that whatever we focus our attention on grows, we get what we concentrate on. And that very, very simple notion is really, really tough for people to grasp. And I think a lot of that does have to do with inherent, you know, generational trauma or trauma from past lives, trauma from this lifetime. So I think that that's really been one of the very interesting things that I've learned. Do you think it also has to do with someone's self-worth where someone might say like, I want a boyfriend, I want the love of my life, or I want a million dollars or things like that, but they don't actually feel that they are worthy of that. And because they don't feel deep down inside, like not something that they would ever say like on the internet, but like deep down inside, they like, you know, I don't, I don't deserve a million dollars. I don't deserve to be loved. I don't deserve any of these things. Do you think that that's something that can inhibit people from getting what they say they want? Absolutely. Um, I think that self-worth can definitely inhibit that, but I think it's more so a matter of unresolved issues, unresolved trauma. Like as Jung said, we always return to the scene of the crime. So if I feel that I have been uh, disenfranchised, let's say, by my family, I'm haven't resolved that. So I'm going to go into a work situation and be like, why are you not giving... Because why are you not giving me what I deserve? Why am I not getting what I want? Why am I not, or even entering relationships? Like, oh, you never do this. You never do that. It's because I have that unresolved conflict, that unresolved trauma, and I am looking for a way of catharsis. I'm looking for catharsis. I want to return to the scene of the crime. I want to have those conversations that I never got to have. And it, it just is a loop. We, 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 we do that. We return. And I think that until we vocalize and let it go, and I think the throat chakra is very much about self-worth, once you release that from your throat chakra, you're able to then um, rebuild your life with, with new beliefs about yourself. Because at the end of the day, it's all about what you believe, right? It's all about your beliefs about yourself, which, as you say, is a, very much about like self-worth. Is this person worthy? Mm-hmm. Well, I want to take a couple more super chats. Mimi says, that's why I love Joshua. I'm Christian. Sorry, I know they've been awful to Carlin. 
not all Christians, not all Christians, but he is so open and honest and able to speak to all. Thank you for being here, Joshua. You guys are great. We appreciate mm. that, Mimi. And then Cyrus Cherry has a, a question. He says, is there a correlation with being psychic and seeking enlightenment? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I think there, you know, there are some people that are very, very psychic that are absolutely not enlightened. Well, and I, I remember asking you about this because, you know, one of the reasons that we actually even got connected is I had I had done readings at the Tremont Tea Room with like the wacky cast of characters that used to be at the Tremont Tea Room. And I happened to be on their website one day and there was a picture of you on the homepage as like a visiting psychic or whatever. And you were the only normal looking person. <laughs> and that's what actually what made you stick out. I remember one of my early questions for you was like, why don't you look crazy like every other psychic? <laughs> yeah, well, I think... Uh psychics are you're you it's not easy in the sense that um a lot of i've been very very lucky in that i had i had you know a very very uh strong supportive family and friends and i always had people looking out for me and um i think that that really has helped me to sort of stay on this path in which i'm grounded and practical and secure whereas i think a lot of other people um, they may not have had those those blessings or those benefits. And when you're really open psychically um, and you don't have the training, you're you know you're very much like subjected. You're open to psychic attack or you're open to negative energy. So um, it's not an easy path um, being a psychic from what I've gathered from a lot of psychics, like they've you know, people have told me, oh, it'll make you grow very, very quickly, grow old really, really fast. This career is not for the faint of heart. And I think that, um, I think those people, you know, for them, that was true, but um, I'm having a great time and I certainly don't feel like um, I'm going crazy or um, that anything is, is happening in my life, having chosen this profession that is bad. Like it's only gotten better and better and better and better and better. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with there just being so much um, information available in terms of whatever it is that you want in your life. Like there's there's a treasure trove everywhere now. Like there's no real excuse now for ignorance. Like anything that you want to know is literally at your fingertips. And that can really help, obviously, with enlightenment. Mm -hmm. So when I first started working with you, I remember I didn't have any sort of distinct sense that all of these kind of like psychic, like, like different areas are interrelated. Like I, 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 so, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but like, you know, I had no idea that tarot cards were actually related to astrology and it was all related to law of attraction. And like all of these things kind of like work together because it's all energy. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. and you use all of them. Mm-hmm. So what are kind of your, your favorite tools in the toolbox and how do those relate to like other things? Well, I like sense. starting with, I mean, first it's all about like the energy, right? Like before I get into a reading, I'm always like flowing energy and love to the person. And then ideally I get, I get in my reading and I just get out of the way and I just go. Right. So I think that first there's like that meditative um, state. And then really, I think um, the second most important thing for me is really just ask the universe. Like, I know it's not me who is saying a lot of these things. I might be the interpreter and I might understand things intellectually and I might get a like a block of thought that I am able to communicate to a person using their language, right? But I know that it's not me, that I'm not, um, I'm not the source of this information. Um, what helps me in my readings is really going first to the astrology because it helps me to really actually see energetically what was going on uh, at the moment of this person's birth, like when they took their very, very first breath. And that gives me an idea of what, what they like, how to even communicate with them, what their lessons are, where their destiny is, where their challenges might be. And I think that really, really helps because then I go into the reading with that sense of compassion and sympathy, understanding where they're at, and also really 
looking at how I can communicate with them in a, in a way that is most effective to help them. Um, so the astrology is really, really great, especially also, of course, with transits, right? You're you're seeing like, okay, well, this person's probably going through a lot right now, or, or this person is being affected in this area. Um, and then, of course, the tarot. The tarot has always been... Um, definitely a, a, a very, very good tool in terms of helping people. I would say those those four things really have been very helpful. Okay. We have a question from Deb Mikkel. Deb says, much Deb. love you too. Joshua, what do you do to help clear yourself before reading if you are having a hectic day? Um, I, I think that there's this, this, thing like say say for instance actually uh, you know there was an instance in which <clears throat> i was I, I did have a busy day and i got this phone call that i was given some information that i absolutely did not need to know it was just the person who did it wanted to be rotten and gave me some information and what you need to do is you, um, you what I what I do is I hit some kind of surface. You can hit like a tree. They call it tree it um, when you're dealing with like athletics. Like you touch something and you're like, okay, I'm going to deal with this later on. Right now, my focus is on this person. So you, um, I touch an object. They call it treeing the situation. So you touch something, some kind of earth, some kind of wood, and you know that like you have to deal with that issue when you are off the clock, right? And I think that um, that is really helpful. I also honestly find, you know, doing readings and throwing all my energy into somebody else is extremely freeing um, in the sense that when I'm doing a reading, all I care about is you. It has nothing to do with me, which is a complete relief because, I mean, we're all really like obsessed with ourselves, right? So <laughs> it's it's almost easier to go into a reading when things are really hectic. Um, if I am not feeling well, I'll definitely meditate beforehand. Um, I say, you know, before every reading, I light incense and I say, help me help, you know, if I'm doing a reading for you or I'm a session for you, mm -hmm. help me help Carlin, help me help Carlin, help me help Carlin. And again, like when you do that, a part of you is able to put yourself off to the side and just, focus on the other person and really lose yourself, I think, in the other person's um, identity and their dreams and what it is they want to achieve. So it's very, very freeing. Um, it's very, very freeing, my work. So, yeah. Well, we've got another question, and this is from Right as Rain, and it's a member question. He's been a member of the channel for 18 months, so thank you for that, Right as Rain. And they say, do you psychically feel the chaos of the world, and how do you stay positive? And they're struggling with this personally. Um, the chaos of the world. Uh, I think per peripherally, I feel it. Um, and I think that, you know, it's sort of a matter of, again, like whatever we focus our attention on. Sure, there's chaos in the world, but there's also miracles that are happening all the time. And miracles are really, really commonplace. And I think that because whatever we focus our attention on grows, I mean, just the idea of, okay, childbirth, that is a miracle. And it happens all the time, you know, and, and then if you look at life through that lens, like everything being a miracle, which I know is a little bit hard to grasp, especially if you're experiencing chaotic times, but there are miracles everywhere. And when you start looking for them, you start realizing how miraculous life is. And then, you know, all miracles are based on love. So if you're in the love vibration, everything that you're seeing it's like you know for instance you know just an example um i was invited to play parcheesi over you know a friend's house and i was really about ready to go and then i got a phone call i had to take it was getting late i was tired i didn't go friend wakes up the next day full-blown covid so like I was saying to myself, oh, this sucks. I have to do this and I can't see my friend. Well, thank God. It's a miracle. Playing Parcheesi with him, I'm sure that I would have exposed myself to COVID, possibly, even though I'm vaxxed, et cetera. Um, but, you know, like stuff like that. And when you start seeing that and you start pointing it out, like, oh, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. Your life becomes this really much more beautiful experience. So I, I don't think that it's a matter of, um, 
you know, uh, ignoring the chaos in the world. It's more a matter of like focusing on all of the love in the world, all of the miracles, all of the abundance. I mean, it's, it's really outrageous when you start focusing in that way. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that, that gets me in trouble from time to time is that I say, I don't think there's a, such a thing as like objectively good or objectively bad for pretty much anything. I don't, I think that everything can be looked at from multiple different angles and, and, you know, I mean, there are of course really extreme instances that we can pick out and say, okay, that's probably like a really bad thing and we shouldn't be framing like, like, you know, stuff i stuff i won't say to get myself demonetized on youtube but in general i don't think that things are good and bad do you do you feel like that the, do you agree with that and and kind of like what is your like moral compass for behavior i think there's light or you know a lack of light i don't believe in evil it's like you don't go into a room and like turn on the dark switch right like it, it's a matter of you can be in the light or you can suppress your light. And I think the suppression of light or the ignoring of light or the denying of the light creates what we perceive to be darkness or evil. Um, and I think that, you know, it's important to, to realize that we need to integrate whatever it is that we might perceive as darkness or evil or our darker side. I really don't like the concept of like evil. I do think that, um, we are a combination of like light and dark in the sense that, you know, we have daytime and we have nighttime, right? So it's important for us to embrace and integrate our shadows in order to, well, to, to, to live authentically. Uh, I know a lot of people that, you know, they're so pristine and they're always all about love and light and they, they, almost ignore or deny the darker aspects of their personality and what what happens but they meet assholes they meet horrible people because they're they're meeting their unlived self because they haven't integrated their shadow so um i think as they say like light is only as bright as the darkness it sits beside so we have to allow ourselves to honor the dichotomies uh, within within ourselves, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. But I don't believe in evil. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, no, I mean, I agree. I think like we, we are like there, there, everyone has darker sides of their personality. And I think that, you know, I like that you brought authenticity into it too, because people who are just constantly like, I am perfect. I am beautiful. I am love. I am all these things. It's like, it comes across to me as incredibly inauthentic. And I look at those people and I'm like, you're going to blow at some point. Like there's going to be a backlash to this because everything is about balance. Yeah. And I think that when people first get into law of attraction, it's like toxic positivity, I think they call it, mm. in the sense that it can be just as toxic as if you're like downplaying everything or naysaying everything. Like if you are in a, and I think that that, that also happens when, you know, people are like, oh no, you have to, you know, think positively, think positively. Well, you know, if, if somebody is in a, a negative space, you can't, you know, suppress that and be like, oh, it's a beautiful day. Like you need to release uh, any toxicity. Like you, you know, if you're mad, you need to get mad. You can't keep that in your body. And I think that it's, it's a very, very fine line, especially when you're starting to learn law of attraction, because we're supposed to think positively, but like, what if we're having a shit day? Or what if we're really angry about something? Like it needs to go somewhere. And again, unless we release it, and have catharsis in a positive way, then we're going to most likely meet people that show us their shadow in a very, very blatant, obvious, perhaps even extreme way. So I think that there's, you know, there, there's a balance, but I get, I understand why sometimes people do that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So one of the things that people use to, to, you know, ask me about this belief system is like, you say, you know, if you don't believe there's good and bad, then why don't you just go on like a murder spree? And I'm like, well, A, I don't want to go to go to jail. B, like, I don't really think that there's value in murdering people. So like, why would I spend my time doing it? But C, like, I also don't want the karmic retribution that I would get if I went on a, a mass murder spree. That doesn't seem fun to me. Can you explain to people what, what, what is karma? And, and, you know, I guess we'll just start there. What is karma and how does it show up in the world? Well, ev everybody, we're all one, right? So if I'm hurting you, really, I'm hurting myself. And why would I even want to hurt you unless mm -hmm. I saw something within myself in you that I did not like? Like we are what we hate, so to speak. So I think that karma 
is almost like instantaneous. You know what I mean? Um, I think that on a, on a subconscious level, uh, we're all very much aware that whatever we put out, we get back um, immediately, really, um, energetically. And I think that uh, karma does teach us. So if, you know, we all make mistakes, we're, we're, we're human beings, right? If we do something that is not karmically sound or something that might be unethical or immoral, if you learn from that misjudgment and if you determine like, okay, I shouldn't have done this, you know, God, give me the opportunity to not do that in another situation, then I think you can bypass the karma. Um, but I think that if you are constantly, if I'm constantly hurting somebody or other people, then, you know, I'm just going to get that back. Like you can't, you can't put out bad and expect to get good. Do you know what I mean? Because everything is happening simultaneously. So if I'm in a state of love, I'm going to get love back immediately. Like it, it, it's similar when you share your light with other people, you get a return in your investment, like immediately. So I mean, that that's re reason why we all just should be as more loving and as generous and as caring and as thoughtful as possible. Because at the end of the day, whatever we put out, we're creating the vibration around us. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of like with that vibration around us, that's going to attract nasty people if we're nasty, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Incognito says, I find all the advice and wisdom you have provided to be very valuable in guiding people who need help, sir. I like the different perspective that you bring. Thank you, Incognito, for that. And Melissa has a question. What do you think is the best way to develop abilities to use for good while learning to protect yourself, particular techniques or programs? I would say the first thing is to meditate because I think that um, I think that if you're not in a stable mental state and if you're not aligned more with your higher self, then opening yourself up to being a psychic or doing psychic readings, I think you're borrowing trouble. Um, I think the big thing is to make sure that you yourself are in a state of peace. Um, and then uh, I think it's really about making sure that you're grounded and shielded. So. Uh, and again, that's with meditation. So you want to connect to the earth, but you also want to create almost like a, a shield or an armor around you, um, any kind of visualization. I know, Carlin, you said at one point that you envisioned glass, which I thought was really cool. I oh, used, yeah. yeah, I have this this smoky course. I would envision like glass coming up and like a wall between me and whoever I was working with. And also what you have there, your smoky quartz, that actually is really good because that acts as a boundary. Like I know that we're not in person, but like say right. I was at your table right now and you were doing a reading for me, having that boundary, especially if it's a crystal, is really, really helpful. But um, it also will be helpful for you to say to yourself, I'm only subjected to the highest and clearest influences. And, and when you're doing that, you're, you know, you're only tapping into like good energy and then you're able to help. But I would, I would say that make sure that, um, when you're doing readings, don't try hard, like don't effort, like it's ironic, but like yeah. some of the best readings I've ever done, honestly, have been when I've been completely exhausted and honestly hungover. Mm -hmm. No, and, I uh, go ahead. I, because you don't have like the energy. Like you can't like, especially being hungover. I mean, spirits that will release the spirits and I'm not advocating drunk drinking. Um, but I'm saying that like when you are not in resistant mode, meaning if you're just exhausted or, um, you know, you're out of your own way, um, that's when, you know, you'll, you'll be able to be a channel of divine grace, as they say. I, I feel the same way. And that's why I meditate at night, like mm -hmm. right before I'm going to go to sleep, because if I try to meditate in the morning, I'll be tired and cranky and I won't be able to like let go. But if I meditate at night when I'm already like had a long day and I'm exhausted, it's much easier to kind of like sink in and, and, and release. Yes. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. I, I prefer to meditate in the morning if only because I feel that it's the most practical thing to do um, in the sense that you're creating your whole day. And it's sort of a matter of like, say, um, and what I do every day, and, and I advise everybody to do this, I, I just, it, I will not live without this method. But in a meditative state in the morning, what I do is I flow love to everyone in the universe, but particularly 
places where I'll, where, where I'll be. Like I'll, I'll flow it to the Starbucks or the Trader Joe's or the gym, or of course to my clients, um, whatever environment I'm going to be in. So then when I show up, I'm, I've already put the love energy there and we're always doing this. Like, you know, it's the, in reverse, uh, when we're worrying about things or we're thinking about all the things that could go wrong in our day, well, you're putting that energy in that room. Congratulations. You just, you know, created several conflicts that you could have avoided. <laughs> so, um, I think that that's, I think meditation is, is super important. I think that uh, a lot of people, they, you know, a lot of, a lot of us are neurotic. So as soon as we caught, try to meditate, we start thinking about things that we really do not want to think about. Um, and that's why like at nighttime, when we go to sleep is when we have a tendency to worry, which is the worst time in the world to worry. Because when you go to sleep, whatever you're thinking about beforehand, your subconscious locks it in and you marinate in it overnight. So that's wonderful that you meditate before you go to sleep because it's really helpful for your subconscious. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What do you think are the biggest misperceptions that people have of psychics? Um, well, I think some people don't, you know, like I have the ability to turn it on and off. Like I, I worked in New York City for many years. So obviously you can't be on, you know, the train and be open and psychic or you just you'll die. Right. Energetically, you'll just die. Um, so for me anyway, like I'm able to turn it on and off. Like if I'm doing a reading that I can be psychic, if I'm not, I don't care. I, I think a lot of people are thinking, is he reading my mind? Like, I don't care what's in your mind. Like I really don't. I have my own mind to worry about. Um, so a lot of people might think that I'm, uh, or that psychics in general are like digging for information. Like, I don't think personally, I don't care unless I'm being paid quite frankly to mm -hmm do a service, like, I don't need to be psychic. It doesn't, you know, affect me. So I think there's can, that. Um, can I, can I put in there? Because please. like, I, like, so, so like, I think that it's, it's really interesting that you bring that up as the first one, because I remember like before my intuition really opened up, I thought it would be so useful to be a psychic and be like, this is great. I can tell what people are thinking, blah, 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 all that stuff. And then I went to Peru and then my, like on the way home from Peru, my intuition blew open. And I was like in the heart. I remember I actually had a call with you that day uh, from the Hartsfield Jackson airport. And I was like cowering in the Delta club in the e-terminal in the corner because my intuition had opened up and I had no idea it had until I was in this airport surrounded by all these people and I had no idea how to shield myself from like all the information I was getting I was like this is horrible turn it off turn it off, turn it off. <laughs> yeah no absolutely and I also think that um yeah, you, you need to learn. <clears throat> and that I think that when you're becoming more psychic, um, you know, you do that. And I also think we're in a different position, like, because I'm doing, I'm getting paid for it. Like, when I'm not working, why would I want to like, why would a cook cook when they go home? Like, you know what right. I'm saying? So yeah, I think that's one of the misconceptions. Mm -hmm. What are some other misconceptions that people have? Misconceptions in terms of, uh, that is a really good question. Well, I think that one of the things in terms of just psychic ability uh, in general is that what psychics are doing is they're looking at probabilities. So somebody says, okay, um, what is going to happen with me and this guy, right? So you're what I'm doing in the reading is I'm clocking her energy. I'm feeling like the vibration there. I'm feeling his energy and I'm feeling the timeline. <clears throat> and what we're doing is we're, we're looking at like, okay, this is where their energy is going. Um, and I think the thing is that we, we, life is give, governed by two forces, fate and free will. And we always will have free will, right? So it's a matter of, a lot of people think that I can do a reading or anybody can do a reading and say, yes, Jeffrey is going to call. Definitely. He is going to phone call. Well, it might look like Jeffrey is going to phone call and it looks like the energy is going that way, but Jeffrey might, you know, stumble on the ground or Jeffrey might get another phone call that sets him off. So I think that people need to realize that psychics can predict where things are most likely going to go. But at the end of the day, we all have free will. And I think a good psychic is always going to make that really clear that you are the master of your fate. You're the master of your destiny. I can tell you where things are most likely going, but 
at the end of the day, you get to change that. And I think a lot of people will get psychic readings. I mean, the most practical reason to get a psychic reading is to find out where are things most likely to go and to go flow with that if you want that, but also redirect your course, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Nancy Reagan was made fun of for consulting psychics. What do you think about that, Joshua? Um, I know that she did astrologers. I didn't know that she um, consulted psychics too, but that makes sense. Uh, no, I think Nancy uh, was awesome. I mean, she really was very, very um, instrumental in Ronnie Reagan's uh, success. Like, for instance, I think that she had him do uh, the inauguration at like 12.02 in the morning. And everybody's like, why are we inaugurating him in this weird time? And astrologically, her astrologer um, told her that. So I think it's I think it's it's really, really great. And I think it was really big um, of her to be open about it. Mm -hmm. It was really cool. You know, it's funny because like you see, like once you, when, when, once you start to like understand this stuff, I think you see a lot of like so, uh, covert references to it, just like in pop culture. Like we were, I, I remember right after I had a little trouble with a tweet about a certain guy in Germany not too long ago. And and I was watching like the, the Matrix series at the time because the new Matrix movie had just come out and I was rewatching the Matrix. I was like, mother effers this is all based on law of attraction and like manifesting and spiritual things and it's like one of the most popular movies of all time and no one understands like what this is actually based in i mean maybe not even like the movie like the directors or anything really understand it was what it was based in because it all comes from like the collective consciousness mm -hmm. do you see this sh stuff show up everywhere just because you understand it so much yeah i think that you start you know if somebody winds up you know uh, you just, you see how we are creating everything, even though those things that we don't think that we want, um, you'll see it all the time. Uh, you know, person loses their job and like my mentality is okay. Well, they created themselves getting fired or, or even like somebody gets mm -hmm. sick. Okay. Well, this person obviously needed some time to themselves and whatnot. So they created illness. I mean, I think that you start seeing things through that lens and, I mean, in some respects, you lose a little bit of sympathy because you're not seeing people as victims. That's um, very true. You know what I mean? But I think, um, yeah, I think that that it really, it's a beautiful, I think, way of interpreting the world, especially for ourselves, because we're not, you know, in that victim mentality where we're in, in that creation mode. And that, you know, that allows us to create whatever we want. Well, Joshua, our hour is about up. So I want to take, thank you for uh, taking the time to spend with us today to explain what it's like to be a psychic. Would you be open to doing a follow-up interview at some point in the future? Uh, certainly, certainly. And I appreciate and thank you for having me on your show. This has been a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And you've got, a, you've got an astrology class coming up that people can sign up for. Do you want to tell us about that? Yes. Yeah. It'll be a astrology 101. It'll be a lot of fun every uh, Wednesday evening, uh, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. It starts um, Eastern time and it'll be Wednesday nights and we'll learn all about the signs. We'll talk about the houses, aspects, transits. It'll be a lot of fun and it's a five week class. And uh, yeah, I, I, I am very confident that you will leave this class with um your perception very much changed and uh, you'll be able to also leverage astrology to create your life and to understand your life and other people's lives. Awesome. Well, guys, I have taken several of Joshua's classes and they're always very good. He is a wonderful teacher, so I definitely recommend it. And you can sign up for that class at uh, psychicsun.com. The link is in the description below. Jen says, Joshua, through my first reading, you opened the door to who I have, be have been becoming for two plus years. My own deep intuitive gifts have exploded. Thank you. So, Thank you, Jen. That was, that was really <laughs> great to hear. Congratulations. Awesome. Well, do you have any uh, final messages or want to uh, tell people where they can find you and get in touch? Yeah, psychicsun.com. I do a, a, a YouTube um, weekly astrology report called This Week Astrology. So you can see me every Monday, um, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern. And I'm available for readings and coaching and, of course, classes. I'll be teaching more classes, um, not just this summer, but also this fall. Cool. Well, thank you again for joining us, Joshua. I'm going to pull you off the stream and chill a little bit. I'll be right back with you in a second. Okay. Okay.
<laughs> All right, guys. Well, I do hope you enjoyed this chat with Joshua. Again, this is part of my new Disenrage series. In addition to finding the videos of the chats in this series on my channel, um, on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Dr. Carlin Borisenko, you can also now sign up for it in Apple Podcasts for an Apple or an audio only version. I know I've only got two episodes now. I will be obviously loading the Church of Satan episode that we did the other day, as well as this one with Joshua on Apple. It should also be in Spotify, Google Podcasts wherever you're getting your podcast. So I'm going to be starting to create audio only content for all of this. And if you're enjoying it, give it a five-star rating in Apple so that other people know to listen to. Now we've got a lot of great conversations in the Disenrage series coming up to, uh, next week. We're going to learn what it's like to be a socialist. We're going to have a conversation about spirituality and uh, where Hitler ended up, heaven or hell. And we're going to learn about what it's like to grow up in a conservative Christian cult. All that is coming up next week. But I want to remind everyone, that I will also be streaming today at 5 p.m. in about two hours on my second channel, youtube.com slash actively unwoke. And of course, we do the unwoke stuff over there. We do the nice stuff over here. We do the unwoke stuff over there. So come in, come and see a presentation about gender equity and climate change and grab your beverage of choice and come blow off some steam and make fun of it with us. I also want to let people know that they can uh, support the work I'm doing by joining my locals community. You can sign up as a supporter at kb.locals.com slash support. And all of this helps keep the channel running it helps keep the content coming all these good interviews with amazing people you can sign up for five bucks a month or for 50 bucks a year or you can also make a one-time gift and tomorrow as a reminder for my locals we have our monthly bitchcraft coming up tomorrow at 3 p.m bitchcraft is an open zoom call where we bitch and we craft of course you can knit which is the far most superior of crafts you can also crochet clean your gun paint draw fold your laundry whatever you want to do or just come hang out that's going to be tomorrow at 3 p.m for my local supporters as an extra thank you all right guys that's all i have for right now take care and we'll see you soon